0: Hey, right. hey, community faith, how are you? Yeah, a little muffled behind the mask, right? But that's good. Those of you at home are glad you're joining us. Uh, we've got We're just gonna have a good time today. I, I want to talk to you about something that's really been on my heart. You know, I think this pandemic has has always been uh, something that people are saying, "God, where are you? What are you doing?" I want us to look at that today and and kind of get a different perspective. A couple of years ago, a, a family gave a 2004 Lexus to the church. Uh, so it was an older car, but it was an amazing car. It only had like uh, 30,000 miles on it. The, the woman was a little old lady that just drove to the grocery store and back, and church and back. You know, literally one of those and, that the used car salesmen try to get you to always buy, right? But this was literally true and. Before we gave it out to somebody, I thought, I'll drive it for a month and just make sure it doesn't have any glitches or anything, before we gave it to a a single mom that was struggling had some things going on, and so I didn't want her to be stuck somewhere. So I'm driving it around, and the car is perfect. It's amazing, and it's fully loaded with everything you could get in 2004, and one of those things was GPS. Now, the only problem the Lexus had, because it drove great, everything was good, was that The GPS couldn't be, uh, couldn't download any more information at that time. It just had what it had. And so I had a 2004 GPS. So most of the time I'm driving around here, especially get out on 99, you're like in deep space, you know, somewhere. Because it's just a blank screen in your little car, right? It doesn't have any street names. Even where I live in Fairfield wasn't there yet. So my house is just, you drove off the end of the world. And disappeared, right? Some people feel like that when they have come all the way out to Fairfield, you know? But you drove off the end of the globe. That's what it feels like. And it was really hard to orient yourself. And I was thinking about it. I thought, that's what it feels like right now. You see, psychologists, psychiatrists tell us that all of us in our minds have somewhat of a a GPS, a, a life map, if you will. And what we do is, Through our experiences of life, we've kind of put together how life works. And if you're anywhere under, you know, like 170 or whatever, um, then you haven't seen anything much different than what we've always experienced. So you think, well, last year will be pretty much like next year. What's happened? The pandemic's hit, and it's almost like all of us, we've driven off the end of the globe, right? We're in uncharted territories. There's no street names. There's no anything. It's just, you know, your little car, your little life car out there, and it just looks like it's floating out in the middle of everything, and so I think it's really important to get God's perspective because this didn't catch God off guard. You know that, right? He didn't go, oh my gosh, they're having a pandemic over there. Wow, didn't see that coming. God has something he wants us to learn from this, and And he's got a storyline that he wants us to begin to understand. And some of it is he wants us to use the truth to update our life map, our GPS for, for living. And he's got the truth that he wants us to know. Maybe until 2020, you thought life, even the Christian life, was about comfort. Maybe you thought it was about being safe. Maybe you haven't updated your life map since 2004 or 1994, 1984, whatever. And I find in America today, it seems like most people have a life map that kind of tentatively uh, plays the game of of life as if the purpose of life is to arrive at death safely. And that's not what God has in mind for us at all. In fact, he has a whole different storyline for our life, and he actually said, in this world you're gonna have tribulation, that was Jesus, you're gonna have trouble. James talks about, count it joy when you have these trials that are gonna come, because a bunch of trials are gonna come. Peter says, don't be surprised at the fiery trials among you, I don't know about you, but most of us are pretty surprised, right? I mean, we're pretty surprised, but the Bible says the opposite. God has a whole different storyline for you. Let's download that truth into our life GPS system, and it's going to begin to make a difference as the map shows up. We begin to understand where to go. God's purpose for you is that you be a lion chaser. He wants you to chase lions, a whole different storyline for your life than maybe what you thought. The first time that I went to Africa on safari, uh, it it it's an unbelievable experience. See a million wildebeest, saw the you know, they're on migration, and it's just this incredible thing, but I met this Maasai warrior, and the thing, he was a really imposing, I mean, tall, lanky, and I noticed that he had these deep scars on his back, and everybody else kind of deferred to him like he was like a chief or something, and so I got to talking to him, and and he he told me, uh, I asked him about the scars, and he said, oh, that's when I killed my lion, and I said, tell me about that he said well to to be really respected among the messiah as a young man he was only like in his late 20s maybe he, he said you have to kill a lion and i said oh how do you do that and he showed me his spear and his spear was taller than he was had the sharp end you know the pointed end like the arrow end that you stick in to the animal and then the other end was sharp like a sharp piece of metal and he said what you do he said it's not like we throw spears at a lion he said what you do is you keep getting in the lion, close enough to the lion, and taunt the lion. You don't let it go. You keep tracking it and tracking it, keep getting in its space until the lion gets angry and leaps on you. And I was like, okay, this is a different kind of hunt, you know. And he said, then you, you stick your, uh, your spear in the ground, and you get down low below it. And as it's coming to just tear you apart, it impales itself on the spear, and he goes, and that's what happened. He said, I got the lion really good, but it was such a big one and so strong that it still wrapped me in. I guess you wouldn't call it a bear hug, would you? It's a lion, and it's like and and it just ripped my back up, and there was just deep, you know, rips all the way across. I was like, man. And he said, That moment defined my life. It, it defined my life in that moment. And I thought, well, I guess so, right? I was asking, I said, I asked him if he would sell the, the, the spirit to me because I wanted to take it back, and, and he said no at first, and then finally, you know, I, kept, I felt really guilty because I ended up buying it, and then I got back, and, you know, some of my staff here said, you know, he probably has 200 of those at home, right? Yeah, just but it's like, no, this guy's for real. He had the scars to prove it. Well, some of us, this pandemic has just, I mean, wrapped us up in a big old lion hug, hadn't it? It's just ripping us to shreds. And we've got to figure out what is it? How are we going to do this? What does God want? What is he, he, he trying to do? Let me ask you this question. What if the future you really want and that God wants for you is hiding right now behind your biggest fear? What if, The future that you want and the future that God has for you is hiding right now behind your biggest problem. I wanna talk to you about how life is meant to be lived. I want us to look back in our life and for those of us who are really struggling right now, and I know it's a lot of you really, really struggling, I want you to be able to say at the end of your life when you look back, 2020 was my defining year when I learned how to trust God in the middle of everything that was going on, it didn't make any sense, and I couldn't figure it out. Are you ready? Time to update our GPS. God intends us to live life with enthusiasm. Have you felt that? The Christian life is to be lived with enthusiasm. In fact, entheos, in en God, enthusiasm. Where do you think that comes from? That's where the word comes from. It was meant to be lived in enthusiasm, in God, and there's some verses, just a few little verses in the Old Testament. Some of these little power-packed verses that you don't really think a lot about, and you might skip over. But in Second Samuel, it's talking about David's mighty men. There's these thirty mighty men of of valor that that David had on his in his army, and, and he said these guys were really special. They were really something. And then it tells us about Beniah. Let me just read it to you in Second Samuel. 23, 20, and 21, and there was Benaiah, Jehoiada's son, son of a great man from Kabziel, who also did great deeds. He struck down two lion-hearted heroes of Moab. Benaiah also killed a a lion in a pit one snowy day, and he killed an Egyptian who was a powerful-looking man. The Egyptian was armed with a spear. while Benaiah had only his staff, but he took the spear away from him and killed the Egyptian with his own weapon. Number one, I want you to get this this morning. You're at home sitting on the couch here in this room. Lion chasers know that opportunity doesn't knock, it roars. Opportunity doesn't knock, it roars. The great irony about opportunities is that they always come disguised as insurmountable problems. Have you figured that out? Our greatest opportunities lots of times we see as insurmountable problems. If you never get past seeing it that way, you're not gonna understand. Beniah didn't see a 500 pound problem. He saw a lion skin on his tent wall, you know? And, and this pandemic, some of us were going like, this is too big. This is, this is too overwhelming. This economic rollout of, of how this is, is happening, you know, coming out of this pandemic, it's not, it's not tolerable. God intends 2020 to be a defining moment. The time that everything changed. The moment when I was counting on all of these things for security and all of that was ripped away by the big claws of the pandemic and I found that God was sufficient, that God was really, truly enough. I want you to see a second thing about lion chasers. They reframe their prayers. They don't say the same kind of prayers as regular folk. You know, a lot of our prayers would short circuit God's plans. You know that, right? Because God has plans for all of us, and He's working on us, and He's teaching us some things. And there's this interesting thing that the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, prays for us. If you've asked Christ to be the boss of your life, and you've stepped into this journey with God, the Holy Spirit actually lives in you. It's the Holy Spirit of Jesus, and He lives in you, and He prays for you all the time from inside of you. Did you know that? All the time. But he's always praying, and it says he prays according to the will of God. Some of us are going like, I don't know why God isn't answering any of my prayers. He's a million miles away. Why isn't he answering these prayers for safety and for financial, uh, you know, comfort and, and all these things that I'm asking for? God's not, because you and the Holy Spirit might not be praying the same thing. You're going, God, give me safety, and the Holy Spirit says, no, don't listen to him, God. I I as he's going through this really difficult time, he's going to learn how to count on you like he never has. And I know that's going to be the most valuable thing to it over the long haul. Well, for finances, God, she really needs to find that you are sufficient and that you're going to take care of it. And you're going to meet her in the midst of this impossible looking situation. So as she's saying, please right now, today, get me out of it. Wait a little bit longer as she learns to do this. And you're going, well, why would God do that? That's, 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 you know, what is he doing? See, most of our prayers are aimed at problem reduction. To keep us out of pits with lions, especially on snowy days, right? I mean, that would be not the time to get a lion in a pit where you might slip down and he takes you out. Away from Egyptians with big spears. And if you have to fight a Moabite, I mean, you sure want it to be two to one in your favor, not their favor, right? And and so we look at that and, what prayer is supposed to do is make God big and problems small. Did you know that your limits in life are defined by your God picture? Most of, most of our problems aren't really the circumstances. They're perceptions about the circumstances that we have. And a lion chaser trusts God's heart. A lion chaser trusts God's heart, even when he doesn't understand what's going on why would god answer your prayers little girl because he's your father he loves you he loves you and he's gonna answer the prayers that he's praying for you but he has a plan see bad things don't come from god but we've messed up this planet enough from our very first forefathers and, and you've messed it up too, and, and we would have messed up if we were Adam or Eve. You know, that's just how we do things, but, um, and it's just rolling out, and there's a lot of bad things around. God's always doing some good things. It says every good and perfect gift comes from God, from the Father of lights, but he uses even the bad to teach us and to train us, and it's a sense, it's like we're in boot camp. Let me just give you an example of David the king. You remember David the great king says, he's a man after God's own heart, and He's like one you wanna emulate. He wrote most of the Psalms and those amazing prayers in the Bible. But David, as a, as a young man, he, he kept sheep. And if I was David, I would have said, God, whatever you do, I know that there's a lot of wildlife out here and I've got these little sheep out here and I'm taking care of them. So please, please, please protect us, the sheep and especially me, from lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, right? Right? And David didn't pray that though, because that's what's so interesting. And David, later in his life, he goes, he's seventeen years old probably, and he goes to the front of the, the war they're having with these other people from Philistia, and um he sees this giant of a man come out and taunt God. He's nine foot six inches tall, makes Shaquille and LeBron look like little pipsqueaks, you know? His his uh, the shaft of his spear is the size of a weaver's beam, so it, it said it, his hands must have been huge. And David sees this guy come out, and he taunts God, and he taunts the people of Israel, and he says, Any, anybody that's man enough, come challenge me. Your gods are worthless." And da And David, at seventeen, he gets mad because everybody else, all the people of Israel, uh, the armies are cowering, and David. He basically, he goes to the king, and he's 17 years old. He's not even supposed to be there. He went to bring his brother some food. But he says, don't worry about this Philistine in 1 Samuel 17. David told Saul, I'll go fight him. "Uh, Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too for he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented, all right, go ahead and may the Lord be with you. See, a lot of us, if we would have seen lions and bears coming after David's flock, would have gone like, well, David, he must not be right with God. He must not have much faith. Look at those lions coming in. I mean, look at all that stuff coming in on him. No, that was part of God's plan. God was preparing David to fight giants. He knew Goliath was coming. He was preparing him. It was part of his plan to allow that to happen. And not only to fight Goliath, but he was preparing David to rule and reign as king. And he knew he needed to be ready. He knew he needed to have practice. He needed to have courage. I wonder if he's doing the same for us. You know, when we get to heaven, we're not gonna sit on a cloud for a billion years and play a harp, right? The Bible says, Jesus said, to the one who overcomes, you'll sit on my throne with me. You'll rule and reign with me. He's got plans. I don't know if it's new universes or... What? I don't know. He doesn't give us the inklings into that. He just tells us this is going to be amazing. And he's teaching us this is boot camp. It flips it upside down here because a lot of times as Americans, we like to think, well, you know, God's really watching over them because their life's so easy. My life is so difficult. If it's boot camp, it's because he's training you up for a bigger job, right? And you've got to be ready. How are you, how are you taking that? Number three, lion chasers know that life is infinitely uncertain and God is infinitely complex. One of the things we pray for all the time is, God, it's just like my life simple. The Holy Spirit's going like, Lord, don't listen to her. You say, what? No, life is complex and it's uncertain and God is complex and un- not understandable. See, a lot of this, our prayers come from our old maps of our traditional religion and even way of thinking as Americans because as Americans we've always thought you know if I can just get over this next hump everything's, got, you know if I could just it's kind of like when, when when the pandemic hit we we said okay I think we can I think we can probably you know stay in place for two weeks I could probably do that and, and after two weeks all will be well was it well no it didn't work out that way did it you see but that's kind of our, our way of thinking and Here's another one that I think from our traditional religion in America a lot of times. I've kind of made a deal with God, you know, that, that, that he's got to do right by me because I'm here at church. I even gave some. I, I, I'm trying to follow the, you know, the book and, and, and do what it says. I treat my fellow man right, and, and God, you have, where are you? What, what is going on with this pandemic? Why, why have you allowed this to enter into my life, this financial thing this health thing this god we had a deal i don't know how many americans i talked to that are so mad at god because god reneged on the deal right and he didn't he stepped away from there's no deal it doesn't say that anywhere in the bible if you go to church 57 times in a row you won't get sick next year you know doesn't say that jesus said you're gonna have trouble here, the, the truth is that, and download this, life has hundreds of thousands of variables every day. The truth is that faith doesn't reduce uncertainty. It embraces uncertainty. That, that's the difference. When we begin to learn that, it starts to set up a new map for us. See, we want faith to reduce The uncertainty, we went, this is how it's gonna be. I know exactly what God's gonna do. I went to church 14 times. I know he's gonna take care of me. Everybody else, maybe not, but me, yeah. And God said, there's the Holy Spirit inside of you. God, if you allow this to come in to his life, let him know you deeper. Let him know you more. Let him understand. The truth is, we will never understand God's thoughts. God's ways. You know that, right? God said that. Some of you are going like, God, I do not understand you at all. And God's going, right. No, I'm telling you, God, I, you didn't hear, I don't understand what you're doing. Uh-huh. He said that. Isaiah 55:8 8 through 11. God speaking, my intentions are not always yours, and I don't go about things as you do. My thoughts, my ways are above and beyond you, just as heaven is far from your reach here on earth. For rain and snow can't go back once they've fallen, but soak into the ground and nourish the plants that grow, providing seed to the farmer and bread for the hungry. So it is when I declare something. My word will go out and not return to me empty. It will do what I wanted. It will accomplish what I determined. It's so interesting in the Hebrew of this. As you look at it, and it's saying, high as the heavens are above the earth. And we think of, oh yeah, the clouds are pretty high above the dirt. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, the heavens, he's speaking of space, of the universe. You know, the closest star to our little star the sun is 12.3 billion light years. A light year is how long it takes light to travel in a year at 186,000 miles per second. That's a long way. And he's saying, my ways are 12.3 billion light years above your ways. You think you're gonna get it? You're, you don't have a clue who I am, or, or or what I'm doing. God is so far above our abilities to understand that we're not going to get it. You don't know what God's doing right now, right? He said that. No, I, I need to know. It's a control issue, isn't it? It's it, it's I've got to figure this out. God, you gotta you gotta show me. I get it. I know. I'm there. I'm with you. You remember Watson, the the supercomputer that. IBM created that played Jeopardy and, you know, won over these Jeopardy champions. Watson could do 80 trillion operations per second. That's pretty amazing in 2011. But there's a, a, a computer now, Fugaku. It's a Japanese computer. It can perform 415 quadrillion computations. That's 415,000 trillion computations a second. And that's still nothing compared to the human brain. Did you know that? Although it's impossible to precisely calculate, it's postulated that the human brain operates at one exaflop. You know what an exaflop is? Well, my X is a flop. No, that's not it. It's equivalent to a billion, billion calculations per second. The brain uses most of that to make us self-aware, to make us conscious. See, no, n- no machine is self-aware at this point. That's the goal of uh, artificial intelligence yeah, for a lot of them is to make a machine that's self-aware. I'm not sure that's a great idea, you know, because I watched like all the Terminator movies and stuff, you know, but, but that's the goal. And the biggest um, supercomputer, Fugaku, you know, it, it, it can't laugh or feel love or or nostalgia, or get to binging on a reruns of Friends or anything like that. Okay, just the five senses of the human body. They the the touch taste feel sends 11 million bits per second to the brain for processing. And what's crazy about that? 11 million bits per second is coming in right now as I'm talking to you. But your conscious mind seems only to be able to process 50 bits per second. Don't look at the person next to you and say, yours is 25 bits. You know, don't say that. But 50 bits per second, that means it compresses 11 billion bits into 50 all the time. It's doing that all the time. It's a a crazy thing. And then God says, you know, I made you in my image, except I'm light years of infinitude greater. You're little... Key brain you know your little tiny brain is not going to comprehend me but wait god i can do a billion billion operations per second it's not even close you don't you don't know what i'm doing are you praying for a simple uncomplicated life well if you're praying to stay away from sin that's a good thing sin complicates my life in ways that it shouldn't be complicated but let me tell you here's a truth to download faith complicates my life also in ways that it should be complicated and here's the thing about jesus i think we've totally missed it took us two thousand years almost to, to, to change this about jesus but jesus was and still is predictably unpredictable that was one of the things about jesus even back then you know they didn't kill jesus because he was nice The religious leaders didn't go like oh look at that little guy he's so nice why don't we crucify him you know they didn't kill jesus because you know they just thought "Well, he's really harmless he's a little harmless that's kind of how we kind of look at him sometimes you know it's like oh he's so nice and god is love and coming face to face with jesus the christ was like coming face to face with a hurricane category five you never forgot that day that day was going to be a defining moment for you when you just came face to face with him. Some people loved him, some people hated him. Nobody was indifferent, but he was predictably unpredictable. You never knew exactly what he was gonna do next. And the fact that the God of the universe would come to earth and give his life for us, I did not see that coming. Did you? Oh yeah, I've known that, been around. See, we make it so predictable but it's astonishing. Deuteronomy 29, 29, right there in the first part of the Bible in the Old Testament said, there are secrets the Lord your God has not revealed to us. There are secrets you don't know. He hasn't revealed them to you and he's not planning on it. But these words that he has revealed are for us and our children to obey forever. What words? Well, as it goes along and you begin to read through the Bible, God loves you. God cares about you. Jesus came to say, God not only loves you, but he wants to be a father to you. Jesus died so he could open that way as we receive what he did for us on the cross. We step into that. And God really becomes our father. I mean, do you really feel that little girl? Do you feel that, that he's your father? Have you had a, You've never had a father like this, no matter how good your earthly father was. And some of you didn't. Have that good of one. Guys, he's our dad. He's saying, I love you. I care about you. Well, then why are you doing this right now? I don't understand what you're doing. This is not the heart of a father. Oh, yeah, no, it is. He's revealed that. You just don't understand yet. The Bible says when we get to heaven, we're gonna be like Jesus, and we'll understand like he understands it. oh, good, I'm gonna be God. No, there's only one God. Three and one, God is God forever and you're not ever God, okay? But you will understand everything like he does. And you're gonna go, oh, that's why, that's, oh, I wish I would have figured that out. Well, you aren't gonna figure it out here, but if you can trust it here, it'll do the same thing. That's what faith is, trusting the heart of your father when you don't understand what he's doing. You might want to write this down. I thought this was deep. When one can see no future, all they can do is the next right thing. You know who said that? Apostle Paul? No, Frozen 2. I saw it yesterday because my, you know, my grandkids were watching it. I thought, that's deep. I just thought I'd throw you that one for free, all right? But it's really, it's interesting because it is true as we trust God's heart and do the next right thing and the next right thing and the next right thing. Thank God for complications. Think about it. Marriage complicates my life. Men, can you agree with that? Yes, amen, right? But wow, what a complication. I love it. I have a complicated woman. And it makes my life amazing. Kids complicate my life. Parents complicate my life. Grandkids complicate my life. Money Complicates my taxes. You don't need that stuff. You get rid of it, right? Success complicates my schedule. If I was just a failure, I could live a simple life. You complicate my pastoring. And I love it, all right? So, I mean, my dad used to say, he was a pastor for like 58 years. He said, I'd be a great pastor if it wasn't for people. And sometimes, you know, you can understand that, but it's like, thank God for complications. And thank God for uncertainty. What do you you call relational uncertainty? You know what experts call relational uncertainty? They call it romance. Spiritual uncertainty, mystery. Occupational uncertainty, destiny. Emotional uncertainty, joy. Intellectual uncertainty, revelation. Number four, lion chasers live on offense not defense see most people live the game of life tentatively as if the purpose is to arrive safely at death but faith equals risk there's two ways to approach life playing to win or playing not to lose i don't know about you but have you ever you know we some of the football teams that i've liked i I grew up like in arkansas and i love the arkansas razorbacks but i Kind of gave up because for so long they had coaches that played not to lose. It's excruciating to play not to lose. You end up losing a lot. And now that all my kids went to OU, I've been rooting for them. This year, not so much. But it's like, you know, it's a whole different thing. The guy they've got, he's always playing to win. It looks different. Look what Jesus says about life. From the moment John the Baptist stepped onto the scene, John the baptizer, until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth and passionate people have taken hold of its power. That's what I want us to be. What do you call a group of community of faithers together? We're calling it a home team, right? But I want you to think about it. What do you call a group of sheep together? What is that called? A flock. Yeah, you can really answer. It's okay to answer out loud. Um, what about Cows. What about flamingos? A flamboyant. That's what it's called. A flamboyant of flamingos. Pretty good, huh? What about crows? A murder of crows. What about buzzards? A committee. Eh, right? You do it. You already knew it deep down in your heart. But committee. A group of rhinos running together. A crash. That's what I want you to be. A crash. Let's be a crash. Let's crash into this culture in a crazy amazing encouraging way in the midst of all of this stuff Uh, jesus said i'll build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it and a lot of times we're thinking oh good the gates of hell can't come get us gates don't move you're supposed to be storming the gates right the gates of hell aren't going to stand when you storm the gates you think the gates are coming after you I'm running from the gates of hell right now, you know? It's like, no, it's like, you go get them. If you could have sat down with Beniah at Starbucks and asked him, tell me about your greatest moments and tell me about your scariest moments, they would have been the same moments. That's the thing. Faith is not about an absence of fear. I wrote something, we don't have time to go over it, but you can just look over it later today. You can write it down or get it online later, but there's different kinds of modes that we're in, like survival mode versus prayer mode, coincidences versus providences, human accidents versus, versus divine appointments. Is everything moved by God in your life? Yeah, if you're a child of God, the things that come into your life, they have to pass through his fingers of love to get to you. I remember my dad talking about when, when he just bought a new car and he was going on a, a road trip and it was like a week old and the car died on the side of the road, it was so discouraging and so frustrating, but he had been learning about how God sets up divine appointments and this tow truck driver came and got the car and he's upset with Chevy because it's a new car, you know, and it should be not doing this and as he's riding back, hour and a half back with the tow truck driver, the tow truck driver starts talking to him about God and they start talking about God and the guy actually prays and asks Christ to come into his life and he said, I've been waiting 20 years for someone to share that with you. I've been been saying, God, if you're really real, bring somebody by this month. I'm so discouraged. And Dad said he got all the way back, and he said, thank God. He wasn't whining and complaining. He got all the way back to the dealership, and they turned the crank. It just cranked right up right away, and they couldn't find anything wrong with it. That's a divine appointment. But you see how easy you could miss it by whining complaining? Good ideas versus God ideas. Number five, lion chasers have a childlike trust in their heavenly father. Curiosity, playfulness, eagerness, energy. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you change, unless you change and become like little children, you won't enter the kingdom of God. Did you hear what he said? Unless you change and become like little children, children you will not enter the kingdom of god wow i think he's talking about trust i think he's talking about a father's heart and caring and loving him like a little child would just trust you know they did this wide-ranging study that showed that 98 percent of children between three and five years old Test out at a genius level if you can get the test on the right level. Did you know that? 98%. Eight to 10-year-olds, 32%. Teenagers, no, it doesn't go negative in teenage years. 10%. And only 2% of adults over 25. What happens? Those three-year-olds hadn't been told. They can't do it yet. They hadn't been told they're not enough yet. They haven't been told... Any of those, they haven't understood that yet. Now we know as adults. Unless you become like little children. Don't be drunk with wine. The Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. Drunk would be losing your inhibitions the wrong way. Filled with the Spirit would be losing your inhibitions the right way. I mean, God doesn't, he wants your uniqueness. Who are you? You're unique. Gordon McKenzie a creative genius at Hallmark, he went to a grade school and he asked the first grade, how many artists are in this room? In the whole room, raise their hand, they're so excited. Everybody in first grade was an artist. Second grade, it was half the class. Third grade, it was 10 kids. Sixth grade, it was these two really shy, tentative kids in the corner. Well, yeah, I'm an artist. We're all artists. God wants us to make our life a masterpiece. He's He's putting that together. He's got us in boot camp and he's teaching us how to rule and reign. That just turns it all upside down, right? Again, you're you're thinking, oh, their life's so easy. They've got God's favor. That's not God's favor. Your cotton-picking life is God's favor. You say, well, you don't know how many things are going wrong. Exactly. Are you learning from the fiery trials? He's training you up to rule and reign. Man, the job he's got for you must be something. In conclusion, there are two kinds of regrets in life. Regrets of action and regrets of inaction. And experts have found that missed opportunities, inaction, that ends up being the biggest kind of regret. And and some of us have more regrets uh, than, than other people. But a Cornell study said in an average week, The average person has 53% action regrets. This is any regret you have. 53% of them are action regrets. Inaction regrets, 47%. But when people look back at their life as a whole, action regrets, 16%. Inaction regrets, 84%. percent i never even tried it. Challenge. Step out to what God is asking you to do. What if your biggest problem right now was your greatest opportunity? There's something there that he wants. If you're trusting his heart, yeah, I know you're scared. I get it. I know it's uncomfortable. I understand that. Your father, he's interested in your character. He's, He's interested in what it's gonna be like a billion, 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 billion years from now as you're ruling and reigning with him. Don't miss that. Don't waste your sorrows. God's got something really, really good for you. He's moving in it right now. Maybe it's to be baptized. Some of you, you've thought about it and we're baptizing this week. This next week, you can be baptized right up here. And Laura was telling you about it, but you don't even have to come here. You say, well, I'm kind of uncomfortable with that. We will send someone to your house or to wherever there's water, okay? If you have a mud puddle in your backyard, we will baptize you in it. You know? And some of you go, well, I got baptized as a baby. That's good. But that that's that that's that was a cool thing. That's an awesome commitment to God that your parents made. Do you remember that? No, the priest and, and your parents, they said, We're gonna dedicate this child to God. Now it's your time to take it full circle and say, I am being, I'm dedicating myself to God. I'm stepping into this relationship. I'm doing it. Do it this week. What's holding you back? Well, uh it's not anything really, right? What is it that God, maybe it's to get into a home team. What's holding you back? Well, I want to look like I'm ignorant. I don't know the Bible and you know, that some of them are playing Frisbee golf and just sharing with each other about their hurts and heartaches and, and how they can lift each other up and pray for each other. You can do that or learn about the Bible. We're not experts. We're all growing together. I Jess to come back and sing oceans for us. A lot of you love that song. Some of you don't know it yet, but it talks about how you're calling me out upon these unknown waters and, and, and it, it, it's, it's scary and feet may fail. Kind of the picture of Peter walking on the water. I want you to sing it with her, to think through it with her. Just close your eyes for a minute. And as I get off the stage and she prepares, you just say, God, what is it? What is it? What is it? What lion do you have for me? What is it you're trying to show me? What is it that you're doing right now? I'll never understand, but let me trust your heart and watch what he's going to do. Bow your heads with me. Just say that to the Lord right now. Jess, y'all come. Lead us.